0: Welcome back to InfoTrack and our host, Chris Whitting.
1: If you've ever wondered if an item can be recycled or if you should just toss it in the garbage can, well, you're not alone. InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco gets the lowdown from a recycling expert. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now to get a status report on recycling and where there are gaps is Jenny Romer, lawyer, environmental activist, and leading expert on single-use plastics. She recently authored Can I Recycle This? A Guide to Better Recycling and How to Reduce Single-Use Plastics. Jenny, before we get into the nuts and bolts, what percentage of plastics produced over time has actually been recycled?
0: Only 9% of plastics ever produced has been recycled, which means that 91% have not.
1: And they're out there somewhere, either in landfills or who knows where, right? Yeah,
0: landfills, incinerated, or lost to the environment. Now, to illustrate the point in your book,
1: you compare aluminum and plastics, for an example. Why are manufacturers more likely to produce products with recycled aluminum, but not so much with recycled plastic?
0: Well, aluminum is a very expensive material. The virgin aluminum is very expensive, so they're more likely to buy recycled aluminum and make it into a new product. With plastic, there's really a glut of virgin plastic on the market, and so there really isn't that incentive to use post-consumer recycled content for plastics as much as there is with aluminum.
1: Does it appear that manufacturers around the world are making roughly the same amount of plastic now as compared to the recent past?
0: No, we're seeing the amount of plastic produced increasing, so much so that there really is no incentive for manufacturers to reuse recycled content in their products.
1: What else do you think would be needed to get more recycled plastic into manufactured items?
0: Well, a few things. So one of them is requiring post-consumer recycled content in new items. We've seen a few laws that do this, including in California, where it's required the certain amount of post-consumer recycled content be put into beverage bottles. We're seeing other places that are adopting it for other kinds of containers like personal care bottles. So that's one way to get the recycled content to really be part of our new products so that what you're putting in your bin actually gets turned into a new item. Another thing is having producers, that means manufacturers, be responsible for the cost of recycling and disposal and cleanup of their products. And when that's in place, seeing that producers are more likely to make recyclable products and more likely to use that recycled content.
1: And what about our buying habits? How can each of us help?
0: Well, one big take home from the book is that a lot of single-use plastic isn't actually being recycled. And so reducing your consumption of single-use plastics overall, and particularly the single-use plastics that are not recyclable. That means plastic bags, plastic utensils and straws, foam foodware containers. Those things are kind of the worst of the worst as far as not being recyclable. And particularly plastic bags can be tanglers at recycling facilities. So if you put them in your curbside bin, 97% of jurisdictions in the U.S. don't accept plastic carryout bags. But a lot of people wish cycle them anyway, and then they end up clogging the machinery at recycling facilities.
1: We're visiting with Jenny Romer, lawyer, environmental activist, and author of Can I Recycle This? A Guide to Better Recycling and How to Reduce Single-Use Plastics. You just used a term, wish-cycling. We have to avoid that. Now, can you define that for us?
0: That's when your jurisdiction says not to put something into your recycling bin, but you either don't pay attention to what those rules are, or you know about them, but you really think that that item should be recyclable, so you put it in your bin. And local jurisdictions, recycling facilities have a big problem with people putting stuff in their bins that shouldn't be there, including things like extension cords and lithium-ion batteries that cause explosions. So try to, you know, learn the rules in your local jurisdiction and follow them. And let's continue with
1: that thought, because I was surprised to read about some of the items that cannot be recycled. So let's take them one at a time. First, juice boxes. Why are they not eligible for recycling?
0: What my book does is look at whether something is recyclable using the Federal Trade Commission's guidance about whether something can be marketed as recyclable. And that's the three steps. So whether it's collected by most jurisdictions, whether it can be sorted by existing machinery, and whether there's an end market, whether someone wants to buy that material at the other end. Otherwise, it's just gonna go to landfill or incineration. And so with juice boxes, that is made from multi-layered material. So it tends to be plastic, a plastic layer, a paperboard layer, another plastic layer, and maybe an aluminum layer. And one rule of thumb is that multi-layer materials are much less likely to be recycled in large part because of the major expense that goes into having to take those layers apart. So there are some paper mills that will take certain types of juice boxes, but the vast majority will not. And particularly if there's the aluminum mixed in there as well, or if it's just a mix of aluminum and plastic, those are never gonna be recycled.
1: And what's wrong with recycling light bulbs?
0: People think because a light bulb is made in part from glass and in part from metal that those would be recyclable, but no, it's a type of glass that there isn't a demand for. Like I said, that's another mixed material item, and there can be toxic chemicals, including mercury, in most light bulbs. So make sure to not put those in the recycling bin and dispose of them depending on what type of bulb it is and where you are. Some can go in the trash, but a lot of them need to go to special drop-off programs.
1: Paper napkins, they can't be recycled. Why is that?
0: Unfortunately, no. So napkins, paper towels, tissues, those are all made from very short paper fibers. Paper mills can reprocess and recycle longer fibers because part of that process is going through a series of screens and the screens catch the longer paper fibers, but the shorter ones just go straight through and don't get caught and made into new paper. And also a lot of the tissue papers and things tend to be contaminated with food and other things. We don't want to contaminate the other paper that's being recycled.
1: So for those items that get thrown into the recycling bin but cannot be recycled, how do recycling centers sort them out and ultimately remove them from the recycling process?
0: Well, it depends on which items. So some things like tanglers, like plastic bags and garden hoses and extension cords. There's usually someone at the beginning of the conveyor belt at most recycling facilities that's trying to pull out all of those really problematic materials before they get to the more kind of expensive machinery down the line. But when those aren't pulled out early, they can clog up the machinery. They'll have to stop the whole conveyor belt line and get that material out of the gears. Another thing that's a problem generally are smalls. So things that are too small to make it through all the machinery, they kind of fall through the cracks. Things like bottle caps and little individualized condiment containers and things like that, those are not going to actually get recycled. They're not going to make it through the machinery, end up in a bale and sold on the commodities market.
1: Important things to think about. Jenny Romer, environmental activist, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks so much. Have a good day.
1: For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco.
0: You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.